Well, we've, we've been doing, uh, kind of going back over our uh, vision and our purpose and our priority. To, so if you'll look up, up here with me, these guys have come up with some really cool visuals. But our vision as, a, as Freedom Fellowship is to see people saved, restored, set free, healed, equipped, empowered for the work of ministry for God and His kingdom. That's our vision. And we talked about that the first week of how we see things. What's our vision like? And last week we talked about our purpose, and that's to let our, shi- our light so shine that we give glory to God. And we, we focused on uh, the light within us and how we shine and what do we look like to other people and how, how do we give glory to God by the way we live our lives. And both of those sermons were kind of tough sermons because it's getting back down to the basics. And sometimes we just need to rehear the basics. And today, so we're going to be looking at, at priorities. And, and I know that when you hear the word priority, the first thing you go, oh, no, he's going to be talking about how much TV do I watch and, you know, and, and who, how much time do I give to this and do I tithe and all that. Uh, that's part of priority. The word priority means precedence. It means like what's most important in your life. And so all those things, we can talk about those. And I remember hearing a sermon that said, and if you pulled out your checkbook, no, we could, we could look down your register of your checkbook and we could tell you what your priorities are. You ever heard that one? But see, my priority, I don't love gasoline, and I'm ringing up here real bad. I don't love gasoline, but I, it's, it's kind of a necessity, but it's on my checkbook a lot. H-E-B, gas. Town and country, gas. I've got all these... These uh, deals that I, so there are necessities that might be in your checkbook that might not be your priority, and that is okay. You know, some of you probably went and bought groceries this week, and that, but that's not your main focus in life is food, 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 or you know all that. So today I want to, we're going to talk about priorities in relationship to the commandments, and when Jesus was asked about what is the great the, the first commandment, and I want you to see this scripture. It says it's in Mark uh, twelve twenty nine through thirty one. Uh, there was a scribe who came up and asked Jesus, what's the first commandment? Now, a scribe is like, I'm going to give you a real deep, complicated, complicated definition for a scribe. He's a really smart guy. Okay, that's what a scribe was. They were very brilliant people. And so here we have all these different Sadducees, Pharisees, uh, part of the Sanhedrin, the government, and the scribes, and they're all always testing Jesus. They're always trying to find out what's, what's going on in his head. They're always trying to find out why he teaches, what he teaches. And so one of them comes up and says, what's the first commandment? Okay, the first commandment of all. So this is what it is. Would you stand and read this with me? Mark 12, 29 through 31. Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Father, bless the reading of your word this morning, that it would find fertile soil in our hearts, and that, Father, the enemy would not snatch it away, but it would get down deep, and we would understand today more than ever before what you're about and what we are to be about in our love for you and our love for each other. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. You see, I think there's a little something here that I had missed before. The, the uh, scribe is asking Jesus, what's the first commandment? But when Jesus quoted these, he said, these are the greatest commandments. 
See, you can have priorities in your life. You can have things first, second, third, and fourth. But what he was saying here is what is the greatest command? What's the most important? Sometimes we have things ordered in our life, but what's the most important? The greatest thing should be first in your life. So Jesus was equating first with greatest. Sometimes we don't do that. But Jesus wanted them to know this is the great, all the other. I, I began to look at the Ten Commandments, and he says all these are wrapped into these. All, you can take all the commandments don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Honor your father and your mother. Don't cuss. Don't do this. Don't do that. They're all wrapped up in these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Wonder why he kept saying, oh, why did he list it like that? Why did Jesus, why did, the, why did God put it like that? All your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And why did he keep saying all, all the time? You know what all means in Greek, right? It means all. So what he was saying, what do you think he was saying there? you got to love them with everything you got. There shouldn't be any reservations about your love for God. You shouldn't be holding back one section that this is what I'm just going to keep for me to love me. No, if it all focuses, if it's all funneled to loving God, if you put all your energy into loving God, you give him everything you've got, you just lay yourself bare and say, this is me, God. I love you with everything, all my faults, all my, all my junk. I love you, everything I've got. And he says, that's the kind of love I'm looking for. Then your priorities will line up with what God's plan is for your life. Okay? Do you understand that this morning? So we're going to talk about this thing called priorities and how so many times we don't go after what's the most important. Now, I was, I was watching a video this week. I, I typed in priorities, and there was a pastor, and he's talking about priorities. And he said, you know, one of the reasons people don't meet, go after their priorities or don't get their order in their life, and, and I hope this is going to be real applicable to you or applicable, whichever one you like. I hope this will help you to actually take this this morning and apply it to your life, okay? Because many times we don't go after our our priorities, because we have failed to set goals. If you are just flailing in the water, let's say you were, you were going to go take swimming lessons, and you just went, and here was the swimming lesson, stand on the edge of the pool and just jump in. You had no instruction. I, you know, they did that with me on, a, on the slopes, the ski slopes. And, Paul, you're a part of that, and I, 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 I forgive you for that, brother. We loaded up. A bunch of us guys, we're going to go. We're in Kentucky, and they all said, well, let's go snow skiing. Well, I've never been snow skiing in my life. And we go. We load up in this van, a bunch of guys, and we go to this place in Indiana called Paoli Peaks. You know why? They, it just it wasn't like a, a ski resort. There was no powder. There was no fresh snow. You know what kind of snow it was? It's like iced concrete. It was, it was like they man-made snow. After you skied on it for about 10 minutes, the sun kind of melted it, and it became like ice. And we get there, and the guys are, oh, here, we're going to rent you some stuff. Here's you some skis, and here's this. And I said, well, Amanda, I don't know how to ski. Should I take lessons? Oh, no, just bend your knees. <laughs> just bend your knees. I thought they meant this way. Up and down. You see that? It was like this. You know what this does when you're going down ice, concrete? Shoo! Shoo! You ever see Christmas Vacation and Chevy Chase on that little silicon on it? Shoo! And I'm, so I'm going down these hills, and I'm just flying, and all I know to do to stop is fall. They're all going off to these other little hills. I don't even see them anymore except 
when the emergency lights are on and there's somebody that's injured that is skating, tried to bend his knees and turn and went bam like that and knocked myself out. The first time I got to the bottom of the hill, there was like people laughing and like if they had signs to hold up the number, like in the Olympics, they were going to give me big high numbers for the most creative way to fall. The last time I fell is about halfway up the mountain. Man, I think I fell off the ski lift, but I fell and I was stunned. I really was knocked out for, I guess, a few seconds and people. I knew it must have been bad because all these people were gathering around me. There was no dog with whiskey, but <laughs> woo, woo. that's why I know why they do that now. Bring the, yeah, but my, my left ski was down at the bottom of the mountain. It's just a whew. I had a right ski on, and they, they made sure I was okay, so I proceeded to walk down the mountain, and I said, get me to the lodge. That's the last time I ever skied. You see, if I would have gone there with the intent and goals and priorities, you know, I'm going to learn to ski. Before I get on this slope, I'm going to learn to ski. I want to take some lessons. And afterwards, people said, man, you, know, you should take lessons before you ski. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. The rest of the guys had a great time. I was in a body cast the next day. I felt, how many of you have ever been skiing and didn't know how to ski? Did you wake up the next day with every inch fiber of your being hurt? There was not a place you could touch. It was hurting. Okay. But listen, that's what we do to Christians sometimes. We, we get them saved and we just throw them out there. Get after it. Get your priorities straight. Love God and just go after it with all you got. And we just, we watch them flail. We watch them fall down the mountain. And we're not there to help them because we're doing our own thing. Listen, if we're going to be, if we're going to do what we're supposed to do, our priority is love God, love people so that each person can experience an intimate relationship with the God of grace. Listen, that is more than just about you. It's about the body coming alongside one another so we can hold each other up, so we can help people find their place, so we can help people understand their priorities, so we can help people to understand how, just how to love God. So we just said we're just supposed to love God with everything you got, and we don't tell them what that even entails. You hear me, church? Well, let's teach them the books of the Bible, but let's don't teach them how to love God. But we need to learn how to love God. We need to learn how to, if we're going to be this church that we're talking about, vision, purpose, and priority, we've got to have goals. We've got to have goals. Now, listen, another reason people have so much, uh, have such a hard time of getting priorities straight in the kingdom of God is because of this one major thing. They have asked Jesus to save them, but they haven't made him Lord of their life. Roll the video. Laura. Hey, Lord. So how did it go with Kat? Did you talk to her? Oh, well, Lord, not exactly. (laughs) Did you forgive her? Well, Lord, I mean, I was just thinking, like, why should I forgive her? (laughs) Because I asked you to. Well, yeah, I know you did, Lord, but why? We shouldn't have to know why, just that I asked you to do it. Well, that doesn't make any sense, Lord. I mean, you don't understand the situation. Kathleen has an attitude problem. Laura, you believe that I know what is best for you and for Kat? Well, yeah, Lord. Then you'll do this. But, Lord... This is no different than when I've asked you to do anything else. Yes, this is, Lord. This is way different. When I asked you to quit your job, you quit. 
Well, of course, Lord, but I didn't like my job, so I was happy to leave, you know? I mean, this is way different. Okay, Lord, you know what? I've got an idea. How about we give it a week and I'll pray about it? Uh, I'll give you my answer now. But Lord... Look, Kat's coming by here very soon. She's coming okay? by here? Well, yes. let's go. Now's your no, chance to talk to no, her. I want you to forgive Lord, her. Lord, you don't understand. Hey, hey Laura. Hi. It's been like two hey, weeks wow, since we've had coffee. Yeah. Oh, it has. We should totally get together this week. Oh, wow, I can't do that. I am so busy. Oh. Yeah. Well, how about next week? Well, you know, actually, I don't think it's going to happen for a while. Oh. Well, is everything okay? Oh, yeah, everything's great. Uh-huh. All right. Um, I guess I'll just um, see you later then. Bye. Lord, did you hear that attitude? I thought you were going to forgive her. I thought you said we could wait a week, Lord. No, you said that. Oh, okay, Lord, you're being unreasonable, okay? Why don't you just go talk to Kathleen and have her come to me and ask for my forgiveness? Laura, you need to obey. I want you to forgive Kat. But Lord... Why do you keep calling me Lord? You won't even do what I ask. Oh, I heard that from the y'all. You see, if God, if Jesus isn't Lord of your life, if you're not willing to obey him in little things, listen, your priorities are going to be all messed up. You're going to find yourself and financial difficulty or marital problems or your children are going to be doing this and that if you're not ordered in your life. That's what this word priority means. It's, it's a precedence. It's putting God first in your life, seeking Him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And we understand that means with everything you got. Don't hold anything back from Him. So our first priority is to love God. Amen? If you love God, like I just said, priorities won't be an issue, right? Ooh, that was a weak one. You see, what God wants you to do is so line up with him that your agenda, and you won't have to start looking at all your agendas. You won't have to start looking at your motives and everything because they'll already line up with him. You know, we've talked about this many times. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. But that desire, if you read that whole passage in Psalms 37, is that you must submit to God. And then he'll give you the desires of your heart. Some of you have asked God for some things that he hasn't given you. You know why? Because he loves you so much. He's not going to give that to you. Because it doesn't line up with his agenda. It doesn't line up with his will. It doesn't line up with his purpose. It doesn't line up with his plan. Listen, I know some of you might not want to hear this this morning, but God wants you to get in order. God is a God of order. Did y'all know that? He truly is. So first, examine what are my priorities? What are my goals? What is the dream God's put in my heart? What is the vision he's given me? I've told you this, and I, she's not here, so I can say this. I thought my daughter might be here this morning, but they left. Uh, they went back to Dallas. But she was here this weekend for Holly and Matt's uh, marriage thing last night. And I, I told my wife, I said, where did, she, where did our daughter get this idea of setting goals? Because I was not a goal setter. How many of you can identify with that? You're not a goal setter, okay? I was not a goal setter. My wife was not really a goal setter in the sense that we've seen our daughter become a goal setter. She would say, well, I'm going to go to this college. And we said, well, why don't you go to this college? This will be cheaper. This, you can be closer to home. She said, no, I think I'm supposed to go there. And so we said, well, okay, if we could afford it. 
And we came alongside her, and God, for certain, God made a way. Then she gets to Austin. She goes through four years. She said, I'm going to graduate in four years. I said, four years? Not many people graduate in four years anymore. She said, yeah, that's my plan. That's my goal. She graduated in four years. She said, I'm going to go to New York and work for a couple of years. New York! You know, we had a hard enough time letting her go to Austin, much less New York City, Manhattan. You know, eight million people, this little five-foot tall girl, didn't know anybody in New York. But she said, that's my goal. That's my dream. And she went to New York. Two years, she goes and works for the largest advertising company in the world, comes back to Texas. That was her goal, come back to Texas or California and continue her education in, or continue her work and her career in advertising. And I'm thinking, wow, she's just so goal-oriented. You see, when you have goals, if God is your goal, if you want to love God with all your heart, so mind and strength, if you would set that as your goal this morning and you would go after him, listen, you would see things change in your life like you can't imagine. The doors would open that never opened before. You would have visions and dreams and you would have purpose in your life because the Holy Spirit would begin to, to speak to you and show you. But listen, if you're on the throne, if you're sitting up there and you're saying it's all about me and it's not about God, listen, you can just figure that your life ain't going to be too happy. I don't care how rich you get. I don't care what kind of job you get. If you're not in line with God, your marriage ain't going to work. You're... you're Child raising won't be too effective. Your job career, it might all look really good on the surface, listen. But if God's not first, it's not going to work if you don't love him with everything you got. The Apostle Paul was a great man. If you want to find a man that had priorities, had set goals, it was the Apostle Paul. Look at 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. What kind of background did Paul have? Anybody remember what he did before he became a Christian? He had Christians arrested and killed. He was a very well-educated man. He was a Pharisee. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Man, he had all the credentials. Man, if his resume was for, you know, to be in a, a part of the hierarchy of, the, of religion in that day, Paul met all, this, all the, uh, the expectations. He could fill out the right resume. But listen, he had an encounter with God. On one day, he had an encounter with God. He submitted to God. His life changed and his priorities changed. He had a whole way of looking, a whole different way of looking at things. And this is what he said in 1 Corinthians 9. He's talking, he's, he's writing this to this little church in Corinth, or a big church in Corinth, that he had helped establish. And he was always trying to help them along. And he said this in verse 23. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. He had a finish line out there. He said, I'm going for the finish line. I'm going to run as hard as I can. I'm going to get to the finish line. I want to be first. And he says, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. That means they're, they, they, they are moderate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. Listen, he's talking about the Olympics. He's talking about the Olympics. He's talking about the physical Olympics back in that day. He said, these guys, they had this prize that they were running for. And they, they were in everything that could be a hindrance to them. They were going to get rid of it so they could run and win this prize. And he said, listen, they're running for a prize that ain't going to last very long. How many of you have read those sad stories of these great sports figures that have gotten Hall of Fame or they've gotten all these medals and they ended up selling them to a pawn shop or because they're broke and they're, they're, they're living on the street. I remember the story of J.R. Richard. He pitched for the Houston Astros. He was one of the, he had probably the, 
fastest fastball at that time that there was. Man, he could bring the heat over 100 miles an hour. Pitch for the Astros. You remember him, Mark, don't you? Big, tall dude. Man, and he could pitch, and he was like at the top of the game. And he ends up years later, because of some different uh, difficulties in life, he, he ends up being homeless. And they finally find him on the streets and they bring him back in and try to restore him in some way. I don't know exactly what's going on in his life now. But listen, all that stuff, if all your priorities are focused on the wrong things, and it doesn't matter if you accomplish what you think you're going to accomplish, if it's not about Christ, it's perishable. It will not last. It will, you can put it in the safety deposit box if you want to. Or you can hang it on your wall if you want to. Or you can put it in your bank account if you want to. But it does not last. Only the things that you do for Christ last. And he says, I'm going after this. Look at verse uh, 26. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. You like that? I like that. He says, I know why I'm running. I am certain about what I'm running for. I know I'm in this race. I don't, have, I don't have any fear about what God's called me to do. I know my purpose. Man, if you know your purpose, it's a wonderful feeling. You know what I'm talking about? I sold cars for 20 years, and I was, I was fulfilled. I loved my job. I love what uh, I was ministering through my car business. I mean, I just had a, I thought we had a great life. And then God said, but I called you to pastor. I called you to minister. I called you to preach. And I, I said, well, God, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. And he said, no, that's not exactly what I had in mind. It's kind of like that girl. He said, well, Lord, Lord, yeah, Lord, I'm going to do that, Lord, someday. Someday. You know, that's the biggest, one of the biggest weapons of the enemy is that someday. One of these days, I'm going to get to it. You know, I about to get the round to it. You ever got a round to it before? I got a card one time that said, here's your round to it. It's a little wooden nickel-looking thing and it had the word to it on it. T-U-I-T. So you've always been saying you want him when you got around to it. Well, you got you around to it now. He says, I run thus not with uncertainty. Thus I fight. Listen, we're in a battle. He says, I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Man, he was so careful about his walk. He was so conscious of what he was doing in the kingdom. He didn't really want anybody. He didn't want to get uh, pulled down or drugged down by somebody else. He wanted to keep his life and his walk pure with the Lord. And he said, I've got this race to win and I'm going to run it. And you know, one, one day he said, I have fought the fight. I've, I've fought the good fight of faith. He said, I have finished my race. And then he, then he was killed. Not too long after that, it was kind of his obituary in, I think, 2 Timothy. He talked about his last days, but he said, I have got, he said, I can see it. I see Jesus. I know he's coming for me, and I know my time's up. He said, but I have run this race. I have finished the race. I've run the course. I have got the prize. And listen, here's what the prize was all about. Well, let me read, let me read this first uh, in uh, the message, that same passage. It's really good because it makes you understand Paul's certainty of his objective. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. Say, I'm going to run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert. I'm in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it and then missing out on it myself. Man, he had his priorities straight. He loved God with a passion. 
wasn't because he got well paid for what he was doing. He had, to, he had to mend tents along the way. He had to do a lot of other stuff along the way. He was in shipwrecks. He was beaten. He was, he was everything bad could happen. He was snake bit. Everything that was bad that could happen, then he was finally thrown in prison, happened to this man. And you know what he said? I'm running for the prize. I can see it. It's coming. See, some of you have been, feel like you've been in shipwreck. Some of you have been beaten and robbed and all these things are happening in your life. And, and maybe your marriage just looks like it's falling apart. Or your kids look like, you know, it looks like they've been raised by wolves or something. And you're in the middle of all this. But listen, if God's your priority, he will bring, this to, he'll bring it to pass. You've got to stay with him. You've got to walk with it. You can't give up. Go into sloppy living like the message says. You've got to stay focused. The enemy works through distraction. I thought this was really good. I think Chip Ingram said this. For some of us, distractions are us saying yes to everything. When when you say yes to everything, you're usually saying no to God. That can happen to anybody. If you're so busy, you can't say no to anybody or anything. Listen, you're going to push God out of your life. He wants you to say yes to him first and foremost and let him order your life. If you wake up in the morning and you say yes to television or you say yes to radio or you say yes to everything, but yet God's saying, I'm just crying out. God's crying out. Would you just sit down? Would you read my word? Would you pray some this morning? And you say yes to everything else. Listen, you're saying no to God. If you wake up on a Sunday morning, which apparently y'all didn't because you're here. You know, how can preachers preach that message to the people that don't come? I don't know. Send them a CD. But you've probably done this before. You've gotten up and you said yes to everything but God. And you stayed home and you didn't. Those days are just yucky. They really are. Because even if you this morning you woke up yuck and you came to church, you're not going to go home yuck. I hope. But the enemy works through distraction. And I'm not saying the things you're saying yes to are bad things. They could be really good things. Maybe not God things. Okay? Our priorities should be, they're established when we have a specific goal in front of us. Now I want to continue on with what Paul wrote in, in, to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 3. If you want to read a good book today, just go and read Philippians. I'm telling you, that's, it's a good book. Start to finish. And understand in the context that you read it that he was in prison when he wrote it. Okay? Philippians 3, 12 through 14. I know you might have a hard time believing this is Paul writing this because you, we all think Paul was perfect, right? And he was the top of the world. And he was numero uno in, the Christ, in Christianity. But look what he said. Not that I have already attained. Not that I have already attained. Say not. not. Okay. You have not already attained. I have not already attained. Right? Okay. We're in good company, aren't we? 
or am already perfected. Say, I'm not perfect. You're perfect in God's eyes. But I press on. He's not talking about nails here. Julie got that. <laughs> it was that the, the, they put on their press on nails and they, they fell off in their food, their first meal that they cooked. Those. Just seeing if you're listening. Anybody ever work press on nails? <laughs> oh, Julie is the first one. <laughs> You're not the only one, I bet. Oh, that's funny. Lee, were they Lee press on nails? Yeah, okay. Got to get that erased from my mind. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has also laid hold of me. He said, what God's gotten for me, I'm going after it. What Jesus went to the cross for, I'm going after it. What Jesus died for, what he was resurrected for, I want to go after that. That's Paul saying that's my priority. Listen, listen what else he said. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended it, but one thing I do. Say one thing. City Slickers, you remember that? One thing. Just that one thing. You've got to get this this morning. If you don't get anything else, you've got to get the one thing. This is the one thing that Paul says he does, he did. Forgetting those things which are behind. Say, forgetting those things which are behind. My past. The sin. The junk. Come on. That's the past. I'm not going to let my past dictate my future. In Jesus Christ. Amen. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Reaching forward, going forward, not going backwards. He says this, I press toward the what? The goal. The goal. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm going after Jesus. I'm going after Jesus. I'm going after Jesus. Man, if, you th- if that's your heart's cry this morning, that you're just going to go after him. Some people, well, I don't know how to go after Jesus. Well, this is part of going after Jesus. Just what you're doing today. Worship is part of going after Jesus. Getting your word out is going after Jesus. I've got to find Jesus in here today. I've got to see what he's got for me. You know he'll speak to you through the word. Don't be so charismatic that you forget that he can speak to you through the word. Oh, he just speaks to me through the spirit. Listen, he speaks to you through the word. And the Holy Spirit, he speaks to you through the spirit. He speaks to you through dreams. He speaks to you through visions. But listen, let's not forget the word. Get your face in the book. Go after God. The reason people, I I like what Jay brought this morning. The reason that many people don't go after Jesus with everything they have is because they are afraid to fail. I want you to really get this this morning. Many people don't go after Jesus because they're afraid of failure. Listen, Paul said, I haven't attained it yet. 
I haven't arrived, but I'm going after it. Another good quote I read this week, someone said this, failure is never final with Christ. It's just a learning step. Failure is never, you can write that down. I didn't make that up, okay? I don't take credit for that. Failure is never final with Christ. It's just a stepping stone. It's a place to launch off of. It's like what uh, Brad Burke shared with us about uh, we think our lives is full of setbacks and God's setting you up for something better. Okay? Joseph is a great example. Go read the life of Joseph. You would think his life was full of setbacks and God was setting him up for a great, great thing to do in his life, being second in command of all of Egypt. And it looked terrible. His life looked terrible. Now, I want to shift gears just a little bit in this fear thing or, or, or a, a fear of failure. And I want to look at the life of Peter as, as we close. And when I say in closing, that means absolutely nothing. Okay? In Luke 22, turn there real quick. I've got a couple more scriptures to read. And think you're going to like this. I'm going to kind of bring it back to loving God. Luke 22, 31 through 32. Jesus is talking with all his guys, his gang. He's got 11 guys left, and he's sharing with them, man, the deepest, most intimate things about what's about to happen. And he's, he's, he's washed their feet, and he's done all this, and he, he gets them around him, and he says, you know, guys, I'm about to be crucified, and I'm going to be arrested and all this. And Peter stands up, and he says, man, Lord, I, I'm not going to... I will not forsake you. I'm not going to let you down. I'm going to be there for you, Lord. I will not fail you. And, man, you're my best friend. I've seen you do miracles. I've done all this. And Peter's like, ooh, yeah, Jesus, I'm your armor bearer. I got the sword. I'm ready. Okay? And then Jesus says this to him. The Lord said, Simon. That was his other name, Simon Peter. Simon, Simon. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. First of all, I want you to know whatever you're in the midst of, if you're going after God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, don't be afraid to fail because Jesus is praying for you. We forget that sometimes, that he's at the right hand of the Father. Listen, this is a great example of him interceding for us. He said, Peter, I'm praying for you. How would you like it if Jesus was just sitting right by you, which he is, and just said, hey, Sean, I'm praying for you. Charles, I'm praying for you. Jay, I'm praying for you. Ollie, I'm, Ollie, I'm praying for you. Kitty, I'm praying. That Jesus, he just, just received that this morning. He's praying for you. If you're his child, he's praying for you. He is. He said, Peter, I'm praying for you. He said, I'm praying that your faith should not fail. Now, didn't it look like it failed when he was asked three times by three nobodies? Are you a part of Jesus' clan? Are you with that dude that's, about, that's been arrested? And, and Peter looked at this little girl, and, uh, no, not me. I don't know him. And then the third time when he was asked, he cussed, he cursed and said, no, I don't know that guy. Leave me alone. And he ran out into the night crying. And in one of the Gospels, it was Jesus saw him when he said it. His eyes met. He failed. Looked like his faith failed, didn't it? It looked like he was, a, he was donezo, no moss. He could not do anything for the kingdom of God. Who, who would dare show their face again after you did that to Jesus? But look, 
if we're going to help other people experience an intimate relationship with the God of grace, we've got to experience it first. You can't give somebody something you don't have. Jesus knew that about Peter. See, he has the ability to see things ahead, but he's kind of cheating. <laughs> Not really. But he knew what was going to happen. He knows all things. And he said, Peter, I'm going to pray that you don't fail. But when you get through this, you're going to strengthen your brothers. Okay? Fast forward. Jesus has been crucified. He's resurrected. He has appeared. And now he is going back to the disciples, and they're out fishing. They've gone back to what they do. I think even at that point, it seemed like that they weren't so focused yet. They still didn't have their priorities right. They were still flailing somewhat in this. And Jesus shows up by the Sea of Tiberias. And he, uh, here's my take on this is Peter's kind of hanging in the background. You know, John's hanging out with Jesus and they're talking. And and it's like, uh, here's what I think Peter, uh, Jesus is doing to Peter. Like when I met with uh, Kyle in the office the other day, he said, I felt like I was going to the principal's office. And Jesus said, hey, Peter, come here. I've got to talk to you. Now, I don't think he did this. I think he just drew him aside because of his love for Peter. And in John 21, I want you to see what Jesus said to him. You know, Jesus cooked for him, too. Awesome chef, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably the best fish they ever ate <laughs> for breakfast, if you can imagine that. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now, great theologians have delved into the these. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than these disciples? Do you love me more than whatever? That's what he's asking you this morning. Do you love Something else more than Jesus? Do you love someone else more than Jesus? Do you like something else in your life? Do you love something else in your life more than Jesus? And Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, Feed my lambs. And the second time he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, then tend my sheep. Third time. Hmm. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? I would have been grieved too. Wouldn't you have been grieved? Peter was grieved because he said this to him the third time. Do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. A little bit different answer from Peter. You know everything. So you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Listen, if we are going to see people saved, restored, set free, healed, equipped, empowered for the work of the ministry, for God and his kingdom, if we're going to let our light shine that other people might see Jesus and bring glory to God, it's got to start with this. Do you love Jesus more than anything else? 
Because when you love him first, you'll be able to show people an intimate relationship. You'll, you'll be able to show him what he looks like. You'll show the world what Jesus looks like when you fall in love with the Savior. You will begin to feed sheep. You will begin to tend the flock. See, a lot of people, are like, well, that's for pastors. Mm, I'm sorry. He was a fisherman. He had a call to a great work, but listen, that calling is the same for you as it is for me. Y'all believe that? Peter could have said, Lord, I failed you. I've let you down. Surely you don't think I could be of any value in your kingdom. But Peter, his priority had to be Jesus Christ, his love for Christ if he was ever going to do what he did a few days later and speak the word of God and 3,000 people come to the kingdom. Would you stand? Our priority must be to love God with everything we got. Bow your heads. You know, because when we do love him with everything we have, we will not only love him, but we'll love ourselves and we'll love others. We will see the captive set free. We will equip others and we will shine. So as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want you to ask yourself this. If I had to write down what the most important thing in my life was, what would it be? If I had to write down the most important person in my life, who would it be? And I'm going to ask the Lord just to give you, to examine your hearts this morning. Be honest with him. I'm not going to send around a piece of paper and you have to sign it. (laughs) What's the most important thing to you? And if you couldn't honestly say God is the most important thing in my life. If you love someone or something else more than him. This is what Jesus would ask you to do. He would ask you to repent. Lay that down. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to restore you and fill you with him. What is the most important thing? Who is the most important thing or person to you? I'm going to ask, you, ask yourself another question. What's keeping me from really going forward in my walk? If there's a distraction in my life, if I've said yes to, to the wrong things, Would you let God reveal those things to you so you can repent of that and begin to walk with him? And if fear of failure is the big red light that's flashing in your head right now, well, I've tried that before, I can't do it. Would you repent of fear? Ask God to forgive you because God didn't give you a spirit of fear but power and love and a sound mind. Don't be afraid to fail with Christ because he will just help you back up and he will get you back to where he wants you to be if you're willing, just like he did Peter. He gave him three opportunities to say that he loved him. He gives us even more than that. So, Father, this morning as we close, I pray that you would remind us all of how much you love us.
you, you first loved us. You sent your son to die for us. And Father, help us to know this morning who's the love of our life. And if it isn't you, Father, we ask you to forgive us. You want everything we have. You want us to lay it before you. As bad as it looks or as good as it looks, you want us to give you everything. 